Who grew up uh, liking things, enjoying things like church camp? Anybody go to church camp and enjoy that? Uh, CIY or a con you know conference with your with the youth group? Those kind of trips. Yeah, a few of you. Uh, Big Wednesday. Yeah, youth groups. Yeah. Um, your kids don't enjoy it as much as you do. <laughs> Just trying to be a downer. Um, no offense to Nathan or Rob, um, but uh, our kids as a whole do not like these things as much as we do. Uh, I read an article last week on churchleaders.com about high school youth groups changing. And, and I read it because many of the, the trends in youth group uh, in 10 years, fi five, 10 years, uh, our church will look like what the youth groups look like. It makes sense because it's those kids who are becoming adults and make up the church. Our kids' church over there, um, yeah, they're going to be the ones that are probably, uh, you know, making a lot of decisions in the church in, in 20 years. Uh, hopefully not sooner than that. They're pretty young still. Um, but uh, it makes sense, though. Uh, the, the article said that teens don't come to the fun events, lock-ins and the, the fun trips, like they used to doesn't mean that we don't have them and that some people come to them. A big attraction of youth group is the social connection. Social media, though, and, and uh, entertainment on smartphones or, or other devices, video games, uh, have replaced the social connection that was only found in things maybe like youth group or uh, sports, you know, things where people get together. Al although it's done a terrible job, uh, kids really don't see it. Now, the good news is some of the devices that, that um, maybe we had uh, growing up or that we think of as teenagers having, some of those things have actually gone down because, well, they're not gathering anymore, and if they don't gather, they don't get in as much trouble. However, other things like suicide rate is way up. Why? Well, social media can lead to abuse, loneliness, comparisons, and fears about what everyone thinks about you. This is from that article. The author said that instead in our programming, we need to build relationships, mentor, and partner with parents instead of just trying to fill the rooms. The goal cannot simply be attendance. The thing is, a, a lot is changing. A lot is changing very quickly. Uh, I don't have to go through and, and explain all those things. It's very obvious, and, and not just because of, of the pandemic, but even before that. Things have been changing uh, much more quickly than they did. You know, in the last, I think I'd read in the last 20 years, there's been more change in technology than in the previous 100, and it might have even been 500, uh, which changes the way that the world operates. Churches are, are closing in the United States more, uh, more quickly than they're, than they're being planted, uh, so there's fewer churches. Uh, things like uh, Lincoln Christian University just uh, about two weeks ago now, uh, they made big decisions uh, not to close, but to there's no campus anymore. There's no campus life. You, you can't stay in the, in the dorms. There's no cafeteria. There's no athletics. They're focusing on the seminary and online and partnering with churches. It, it's a plan, not that they wanted to do it, but because they had to, because enrollments uh, dropped uh, in, in half over the last uh, 10 years. There are fewer and fewer Christians in America. People are, uh, maybe some people used to just say they were Christians, but they weren't really, or they, you know, they just went to church, but didn't really have faith. I, I don't, I don't know where the numbers, you know, how accurate they are, um, but they are going down. At least fewer people are saying they're Christians now. They're, the church is actually growing elsewhere. It's a little odd. Uh, it's, it's not odd, but it's, uh, the, uh, the persecuted countries 
um, those people that live in countries where they're persecuted, uh, those countries are growing faster. Uh, Christianity is growing faster in those countries. I don't, I don't want to pray for persecution. I'm just, I'm not going to do it. But it's, uh, it's, it's, it's challenging. As a church, uh, we've, we've gotten a lot of support about some of the changes that we've made. Not, not everyone likes the changes, but I know that everyone wants the church to grow and to be here in, in 20 years and be here in 50 years. Uh, we don't want the church just to be another closed door, another uh, empty church building like many in the, in the country right now. I know that you want your kids and your grandkids to know Jesus. Um, I'm, I'm really encouraged, actually. There's a lot, a lot of people here today. I haven't got the numbers yet today, but just over the last month, We've the, our attendance has continued to grow, which just, it, you know, I, like I said just a minute ago, it's not all about numbers, but we were a church of over 300 people on a Sunday morning. We were below 100 during the pandemic, even when we were gathering, we were in the 90s, and uh, just last week we broke over 200 for the first time outside of a holiday. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. It, it, people are coming back, but we're not going to talk about that too much because it's not all about attendance. Now, sometimes I think maybe we're making changes too quickly. I know some others might feel the same way because they tell me that. Um, but, but then I look around the world around us, and, and I hear about things that are going on. I, I see how some other churches are operating and see how uh, people are living socially. And I, and I think, man, are we, are we behind? Like, do we need to even move quicker? Because the world around us is moving quicker. Our methods have to change. But there's more to it. This morning I want to share a, a passage of scripture in Mark chapter 10 that I think might even be a little more challenging. Maybe we are not reaching the next generation as well as we could be for different reasons than our methods. A- at, least, at least consider uh, th- this text this morning. There's a statement that I'm going to keep coming back to over and over, and over again, and, and it's that we may be keeping the children, oh, we may be keeping our children from Jesus, because of our, and then fill in the blank. We're going to do that a few, uh, four times here this morning. Mark chapter 10, beginning at verse 13, it says this. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. We may be keeping our children from Jesus because of our attitude. How do we value children? It's our, our attitude towards the children. Now, we know in this story, um, if if that was a prince or someone important, uh, that the, the disciples would have said, hey, Jesus is busy, but, you know, he's not too busy for you. Come on, let's go talk to him. But when it's kids, when the parents say, hey, can Jesus bless my child? They're like, No, he, he's had a long day. He's exhausted. Get away. Get away from him. Come back another time. Do we have the same attitude towards our kids? Sometimes uh, I'm guilty of this. Uh, I have time for all of you. Uh, when I'm when I'm out and about, I even if I'm a little tired, I've, I I gotta so you know put maybe put on a a, a, a front. I don't want to say like a you know I'm, I'm trying not to be a different person, but I'm gonna really you know go like if I, if you want to talk to me, I'm not gonna ask. Yeah, what do you say? I'm too tired to to listen to you. That might be true, but you're not gonna know it. But as soon as I walk in the front door, sometimes I'm too tired to listen to my what? She's right there. Sometimes I'm too tired. To, to listen to my kids, uh, truthfully. So it's, you're just exhausted, you know, you go home, get out of your work clothes, you know, maybe put some sweats and a T-shirt on. I'm on the couch and out in 20 minutes. But I just, sometimes we do that. 
but I would never do that to any of you. And, and I, so I'm guilty of this. This is not a, a sermon for me to say, hey, you know, you're doing a bad job with your kids. This is, hey, am I, am I doing the best that I could be doing? How do we speak to our children? Now, we have to speak to them differently than we do uh, to other people. We have to teach them. But the truth is, if I saw some of you talking to an another, another adult the way that I've seen, seen maybe you've talked to your children, I would, I would intervene. I mean, sometimes the way that, that a person belittles their kids out in public in front of people, it's just awkward and intense, and you know, I don't want to be around here. And if they talk to me that way, th- there'd be a bigger problem. But, but sometimes the way that I see adults talk to kids, it's, it's challenging. And, and that goes back to the attitude. You wouldn't talk to an adult that way. Uh, it's, tire- it's tiring uh, sometimes saying the same thing over and over again. My kids are six and eight, and if you say it once, then you can have a good attitude. Hey, would you do this? Or, hey, don't do that. And then you say it the third time, and it starts to come out a little different. And by the time you've said it 37 times, it's, you know, it, it doesn't come out very nice. I do this. I, uh, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I just have to consider, and I think we all have to consider, do we value our children? Do we value children the way that we do adults? Because Jesus did. When Jesus saw what the disciples were doing, when Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me. Do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Notice the attitude here. The disciples were like, no, he's too tired. He doesn't have time for you. Jesus was mad. Like, you know, he just says he was indignant, and what he said uh, is let them come. But, man, I don't think I would want to be around when, when, uh, when he's calling these disciples out for doing this. He's very upset, and the kids were not a waste of time. Instead, Jesus said, let the little children come to me. We may be keeping the children from Jesus because of our indifference. Now, this is more of a a passive barrier. It's kind of the attitude of, well, if we don't care, then why should they? If, If church or Sunday school or youth group, if it only matters when there's nothing else going on, when there's nothing else important going on, um, then what attitude will the kids have about church? There's a church leader, author, podcaster, pastor, Kerry Newhoff. He said that people aren't skipping church anymore out of fear, but indifference. He says it's not just because they're mad at the decisions the church has made or because they're scared of COVID. He said you just look around at concerts and sporting events. People are getting out, but they just don't come because it doesn't matter that much. But, he, but there's something here that he said that really stood out to me. He said most people didn't leave. They just stopped coming. That's, that's tough. If you ask someone, uh, maybe who's not here right now, where do you go to church or do you go to church? They'll, oh, yeah, I go to Mount Pulaski Christian Church. But we haven't seen them in three years or, or longer. You know, it, it, they don't say that they're gone, but yeah, I'll show up when I want to show up. That's tough. Why is this happening? A lot of people say it's the pandemic. Yeah, it sped up through the pandemic for sure. It gave people a chance to get out of the habit of coming to church and to have a, uh, build new habits. But this has happened slowly from one generation to the next of allowing things around us to take priority over, over Jesus, over the church. Some say, well, it, no, the church is maybe, I don't go to church, but God's still more important than everything else. This is the, the opportunity to gather with other believers, to hear the word spoken, uh, to, to worship together. I find that hard to believe. Jesus said, do not hinder them. We might be keeping children from Jesus uh, through our idolatry. 
This is probably not the third idea, but maybe 2A, because Jesus is speaking in terms of actively keeping children from him. He, he's kind of first, he's saying like, hey, start allowing the kids to come to me. And then he's saying, stop preventing the kids from coming to me. This is where he starts to, it feels like he's getting a little more uh, bold in his, in his statements. Do not hinder them. One thing that I want to emphasize here, it wasn't towards the parents. The parents were actually carrying their children um, or taking their children by hand, depending on the age, we're not 100% sure, to Jesus. And the disciples, the Christians, maybe we would say even the church was saying, mm, they're not that important. No, uh, this is my church. This is how we're going to do it. I, we'll worry about it. They can have their church later, or they can have a different church. It was the actual Christians, the disciples, that were keeping the children from Jesus. The attitude wasn't just a, um, a passive, I don't care attitude. No, this is, this is when they were actually getting in the way. I, I wonder, um, trying to balance this idea of disciples and parents, and sometimes it is the parents who are the disciples. Sometimes I think what's keeping our kids from Jesus is our comforts, our success, and control. And I fear we're making successful, comfortable, dependent children who don't have a need for Jesus. I, w I was just, I had a conversation with an adult um, from, from town. I didn't uh, tell him I was going to use the story, so I'm not going to say his name. But, but he said, uh, hey, you guys have church stuff on Wednesday nights, right? He said, our, our church does too. And, and um, maybe we could just, we could go to the school board and we could say, hey, don't have sports or any activities on Wednesday nights. That would solve the problem. I said, no, <laughs> that's not going to solve the problem, um, because if, if there's nothing on Wednesday nights, uh, then there might be, uh, um, you know, whether it's uh, tumbling or league basketball or some kind of training. Like, it, uh, it, the school is not the problem. This, this having activities is not the, the issue. It's, it's not what's available. It's what the priority is. The, the parents have to make a choice, not, not the schools. Am I going to send my kid there? Or not, or it, it, it maybe just during a season. We say, well, just during this season, this is really important, uh, so we'll go to youth group later. But you know that doesn't happen because what's next season? Uh, what happens next month? There's always something. If it's not a priority, then it's not a priority. Now, I, I, I coach sports. I, I coach second through fourth grade basketball, and even on Sundays, Sunday afternoons. I can't coach, obviously, when I'm here. Um, I love sports. I coached junior high girls basketball for eight years. I helped with a high school team. Uh, so I am in no way opposed to sports. I'm, there's other activities. There's music. There's, I don't know what else there is. The only thing I ever cared about was, was sports. But I think there's other activities at the school. Is that, is that right? This is, this is not me bashing sports. This is, me, this is me looking at a text that says uh, Jesus is telling the, the, the disciples, the Christians, are you keeping your kids from Jesus? Are you saying that other things are more important than the, than the kids getting to him? That, that was the issue. I, I fear that maybe we're making successful, comfortable, dependent children who have no need for Jesus because sometimes adults look like that. A and it changes the world around us. Some of these changes are our fault, the church's fault. Uh, go to, we say go to school for success, uh, not for your faith. We'll worry about that later. Things, uh, Bible colleges, Cincinnati Christian University closed a couple of years ago. Ne Nebraska Christian College closed. St. Louis Christian College announced this last year they're closing. 
Lincoln Christian University, no campus life. I mean, this isn't about the colleges. Who, who cares about the colleges? I'm, I'm not trying to be insensitive. Uh, there are definitely students and, and the faculty that are impacted now. But I'm talking about long term. Because when we start to uh, wonder why our children have such different values than we do, uh, when we start to wonder, where's Jesus in this dark world? Why are there no Christians out there? Maybe then we'll start to realize that Jesus couldn't just be available. He needed to be priority. He needed to be the top priority. He goes on, the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. We may be keeping the children from Jesus because of our example. Children are so much more willing to receive the gospel. I mean, that's just a statistics have shown that if you, you're more likely to come to faith as a, uh, uh, by the time you're a teenager, before you get out of school, than any other time. But little children believe in God as the creator, and they actually have an open mind. They believe that God can do anything. Kids, they don't always get it right. Sometimes they, their beliefs, you don't know where they come from. When my kids were younger, they're six and eight now, but um, they, they said some pretty odd things about God and had some weird questions. When they were each four years old, I, um, I wrote these things down when they were younger, and actually I had even forgotten about one. But uh, Evan, when she was four, she, she prayed that Santa would die so he would go to heaven so that the kids in heaven would get Christmas presents too. Well, that's, that's nice. Uh, what <laughs> I think we just let it go, you know. When we were doing a family devotion one time um, uh, and, uh, and asked, why did God uh, allow or ask Abraham to sacrifice Isaac? Why did God ask Abraham to kill his son? Uh, Evan said, so he would be quiet? You can see what kind of discipline we have at our house. <laughs> Uh, Harper and I had a conversation when she was four, and I was in a shirt and tie, and she she said, why? Because I don't usually wear one. And I said, well, I had to dress up for work that day for a funeral. And she said, when I dress up, I like to dress as Elsa, Disney princess. And I, I told her, well, I, I was going to a funeral, and, and it's okay, though. The lady is going to heaven. She was a Christian. A and she said, uh, are you going to heaven? I don't want you to go to heaven, too. She thought I was maybe going with her. And uh, and so I explained things to the you know four-year-old, and, and then she said, so is, is the lady going to die at the funeral? I, I just gave up. Children are, are open. Uh, their minds are so, uh, this is the time to form them. I mean, really, we have such an opportunity. Uh, they want to know things like what's God like and what's he look like and how old is he and who made God. They're interested and they're teachable and they're open to things that as adults we probably wouldn't even consider. Adults struggle with this, really. We need reminders. Uh, I, sometimes I, I, I feel like um, uh, I, I struggle most with what does God allow and, um, and, and what's, uh, what, what does he make happen? You know, just the idea of, uh, how, you know, our free will and when does he intervene? And if he intervened here, then why didn't he there? And, you know, all that. And, and sometimes I think we need reminders. Um, my, my dad, he was here for service. Well, last week, my cousin, uh, who I hadn't seen in a while, he said, uh, hey, uh, I heard your dad died last, or I heard, I heard your dad died again. That's how he worded it. And, and he, he was accurate. My dad's heart stopped uh, again. Um, at least, this happened at least four times, but just two weeks ago, it, it stopped again. And uh, about three or four years ago, this had happened. 
and he was at a wedding, and then the wedding reception, and uh, he, he said he started to feel kind of cold and sat down, and he was out. Uh, his heart stopped. Well, um, the bride at the wedding, along with three of the bridesmaids, were nurses at Decatur Memorial Hospital. The bride came and did CPR and revived him. Well, about two weeks ago, he's on an airplane, and uh, he said he had a lot less notice this time, but his heart just stopped. And uh, the flight attendant was a retired ER nurse, of, uh, had, a, had been in the ER over 20 years, and got to him quickly and revived him. Uh, and, and, you know, man, he's, he's just lucky. Good timing. This, his heart could have stopped when he was asleep, and he doesn't wake up. I, instead, it happens. It just happens to, ha- you know, happen around these, these nurses um, the last few times. I don't know. I, I don't know what's, what's uh, God inter- intervening. And I would say, well, what about the other person who died in their sleep? Why didn't he do something there? I don't know the answer to that. But I think this childlike faith that Jesus is talking about, that's that. We have to at least be open to it. We have to be open to the idea that God does act in our world. Maybe we need to have this uh, childlike faith of our own. Because someday, I, I worry that instead of asking the question, where are the children, we're going to say, where are the Christians? It's, it's, it's bound to happen if the Christians don't have this faith, if we don't make it a priority. D.L. Moody uh, was once asked after a mission, he said, Do you, did you see any fruit from your evangelistic mission? He said, two and a half conversions. Uh, did you mean two adults and one child? No, he said two children and one adult. One, uh, one of those who came forward had half his life already gone, but two of them trusted Jesus, uh, who, who decided to trust Jesus will have their whole life before them. Well, Mr. Moody had the mind of Christ. What is more valuable than the soul of a child? How could we possibly neglect the ministry of children? Even the atheist and the humanist and the evolutionist will certain, uh, when certain circumstances acknowledge this. Picture with me, he says, a great museum that is ablaze. There are priceless treasures in that place, paintings that can never be replaced, documents of great historical importance, antique porcelain. The fire tenders are coming from far and wide. Save this, save that, save the other. Then in the upper story window comes the face of a little child. Don't you think that every man and woman in that crowd would say, save the child? We say kids are are most important to us. But are we living that way? I don't mean the, their successes. I don't, I don't mean, um, you know, just trying to give them a better life than, than we've had. I think, I think most of us have had a pretty good life. I'm talking about their faith. Are we, are we making it number one? Because Jesus finished this. He said, it says, and he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and blessed them. Jesus saves our kids, not us. It's both comforting and challenging. I wish I could do it. I, I know it's not in my ability to save my kids. Uh, it is my responsibility to take them to him. It doesn't mean that they'll go. It doesn't mean that they'll accept the gospel. It doesn't mean that they'll turn away from him. I, I know, and that's tough. But we have to at least try. We have to do everything we can to lead children to Jesus. This text gives us a lot to consider. Right after this story, there's another story. I'm not going to read it all. It's verses 17 to 31, I think. It's about the rich young ruler, a man who, uh, he, he said, hey, I've done everything right. What do I have to do to be saved? And, and it's the same ending as this story. We can't depend on ourselves to 
be saved, but we depend on God. This kind of sounds like a free pass. You know, the easy way out. They don't, have to, they don't have to do anything. You and I both know it would be much easier to have a list and say, hey, there's, there's a, I've done these, these ten things. I think that's probably good enough to get me into heaven. I, I'd like a list like that. But you know what I would do, and I, I know what most, pe- most of you would do the same thing. We would say, uh, 10? <laughs> well, Colin did 20 things. Jason did 30. I better at least do 40, maybe 50 to make sure I'm in. You know, and I'm going to say Caleb did 70 things. And Myra, well, Myron didn't do anything. Sorry. I'm just, <laughs> just kidding. That's what we would do, though. I, isn't it great that we don't have to go through our lives just thinking, what's the next thing I have to do to be saved? Because when I have that mentality, then I'm going to say, well, what's the next thing my kid has to do to be saved? Accept Jesus. Accept him as Lord and Savior. We don't have to earn it. We don't have a checklist. Eternity is a big deal. We want to make sure that we're in, that our kids are in. That's what this story is about. Full dependence on God. Full dependence that Jesus dying on the cross for our sins was enough. That's, that's the good news. That's what we call the gospel, and that's what this is all about. Not to come here and check it off our list so we get to go to heaven. No, to come here and worship a God who said, you don't have to do anything. I've done it for you. Just accept it. Accept this gift of new life. This is what we need to know. This is the faith that we need to have like, it, like children. And this is what our, our kids need to know. This is what everyone out there needs to know. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that we don't have a list. I thank you that we don't have to continue to uh, focus on doing more and more uh, to try to earn your love and your grace. I I thank you that you've given us Jesus and that we simply uh, have to believe if if it is simple. It's it's hard sometimes. We we have so many things that can keep us from you, not just our children, uh, but you have done everything you could possibly do and and ultimately you've made it pretty pretty simple for us just to trust you and so i pray for every person here that that uh, we would all have things in our lives that would continue to push us towards you when our faith starts to falter Uh, i thank you for every person here i thank you for your word and and uh, i just pray that as we move forward that we continue to uh, consider what you've done for us what you've said to us and what you've given us in Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.